Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and our thank you gift, the book Tactics, when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael in part two of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about true love. I'm going to ask you to hold your place in 1 Corinthians 13 and turn to Matthew chapter 5. A couple of places where Jesus is talking about love, Matthew 5. Uh, we're going to look at verses 44 through 46 and then we'll turn to Luke's gospel. But let's start in Matthew 5. Let's pick up Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 44. Matthew 5, 44. Jesus speaking says, I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, Matthew 5, 45, in order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he, your Father, causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, Matthew 5, 45, end of the verse, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? I want you to think of 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul says, what profit is it to me? What, it profits me nothing if I don't have love. Well, Jesus says, if you love those who love you, and that's easy to do, right? He says, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same? Just write in your Bible the IRS there. I'm just kidding, but... But, but we all know the tax gatherers had a bad reputation in that day of ripping people off and, and, and doing everything for sordid gain and self. And Jesus says even the tax gatherers who rip people off day and night and skim off the top and do it for their own uh, gain, stepping on people's heads and so forth, they love people who love them. Turn over to Luke. It's a little bit more to your right. Matthew, Mark, Luke. This is Luke chapter 6. This makes me cry, Lord, teach me how to love like you love. Because the Bible says that while we were yet enemies, the Lord loved us. So we cannot just sit here in the stands and believe this doesn't apply to us. This is Luke 6. We're picking, up, picking it up in verse 31. Jesus says, and just as you want people to treat you, then treat them in the same way. Luke 6, 32 and if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners, this would be here pagans or unbelievers, love those who love them. Luke 6.33. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Notice the repetition of Jesus saying, what credit? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies, 35, and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. I might add, be loving, just as your Father in heaven is is loving. This is the way of agape, back to 1 Corinthians 13. Now let me say to you that love, 
does not love just to get something back. It's not a love, back to 1 Corinthians 13, that says, scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. The love of 1 Corinthians 13 is not the love to win popularity. It is not love that is cruel. And it is also not love that's politically correct. You're going to see later in a message that's ahead of us that love does not rejoice in wrong, but rejoices in the truth. Love is informed by truth. That's why I've called the message true love. Because love is not just telling people you're okay and I'm okay. Love sometimes has to shake the bushes and rock the boat, as it were, to get someone's attention. It's to warn somebody that you're playing on the railroad tracks and you're going to get hurt. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. So definitions of love in, in the world are amiss. Love is a decision of the will, but love does not just love to sweep under the carpet or never to say anything that's hard to individuals. Just think about Jesus, incarnate love. Did he say some hard things to people? Yes. Did he rock the boat? Yes. But whenever he did something like that, it's because he was confronting evil or trying to get people's attention with truth that would then set them free. It should be noted that strictly speaking, agape, the word for love in these passages, can, uh, cannot be just defined as God's love. For your notes, because men are said to agape sin and to love the world. You can write down John 3.19 and 1 John 2.15. But it can be de described, agape can, as sacrificial love. In John's gospel, we are told that the father's, father loves the son. One passage uses agapeo, and the other passage of the father's love for Jesus uses phileo, where we get the idea of brotherly love, or Philadelphia, respectively. We're told by Paul in 2 Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4.10, that Demas has forsaken Paul because he loved agapeo, the present world. And so we have to be careful that we don't make blanket statements about agape is always about God's love. It can be about loving something other than God. It can be about loving your sin or loving the world. I ask you, is your love for God the highest love in your life? You know, that can be measured by really how you live. We can talk all day long. But the true measure of our love is not simply our talk, it's our action. And if you want to get to the heart of the problem in the Corinthian congregation and perhaps for us to take an honest assess assessment in the Corona congregations as well, the Corinthian problem was a lack of love. Love, says one writer, does not behave the way that they do. Love is not about self-centered spirituality. That is not the heart of Christ. It is only when spiritual gifts are exercised with love that we become useful in building up the body. As I prayed, love is the mortar between the bricks of the Christian building. Paul uses a body metaphor to demonstrate that the many diverse parts of Christ's body make up the one whole. The individual members are designed by God to complement and care for one another. We are different by design, just like husbands and wives are, but we are intended to operate at peak performance as we care for one another. When the Lord, the head of the church, prayed for the church, he prayed that we would be one, just as the Father and the Son are one. I ask you, how do you think we're doing? 
when the world looks at us, when Jesus says, they will know that you belong to me by your love one for another, how do you think our witness is? There's a lot of beautiful love in this room. There's a lot of expressions of love that I see. There's a lot of sacrifice and serving that goes on among you, and that's beautiful. But I still think that we have to assess our love regularly and try to grow more and more. If you go back for a second in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just to set a little context, Paul says as he uses the body as an illustration, 12.21, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. I can't just throw you away. I can't say uh, just because I'm an eye to the hand, well, I don't care about you. Get out of here. I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. No, we need one another. Verse 25, there should be no division in the body. But the members should have the same care or the same love one for another. See the word care there? It's the word for worry. I know that my mother loves me because she worries about me. <laughs> Michael, be careful. Every time we're, we hang up after a phone call, be careful in your daily activities. And I'm like, okay, mama, I'll be careful. And sometimes, you know, over the years, she said to me, you're not talking on that cell phone when you're driving, are you, Mike? Do you watch the road when you drive? And I say, no, mom, I look out the window to the left the whole time. <laughs> Just to drive her a little bit crazy. Anyway. You are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into the opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This is Galatians 5, 13 through 16. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care, lest you be consumed by one another. I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And since we are one body, it seems strange that one part of the body would wound another part of the body. Why would we ever do that? Some years ago, we were driving back from Mexico. We had been on a trip to Mexico, and I was in an elevated vehicle, and I looked, and there was a guy driving a truck, and he was literally slapping himself in the face. Psh, psh, psh. <laughs> I'm like, what is this guy doing to himself? Why is he beating himself up? Well, I came to the conclusion that he was trying to stay awake. He had probably been driving for a long time, and he, he's beating the tar out of himself in the car. But his goal was to stay awake. But how silly it is, using the body metaphor, if one part of the body would be going, psh, psh. why are you hitting yourself in the face, somebody might ask. Because it feels good when I stop. <laughs> Say what? In Ephesians 5, husbands are encouraged to love their wives as Christ loves the church. In Ephesians 5, 28 through 30, Paul goes on to say, Husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh or body, but he nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. If you hurt your spouse, you hurt yourself. You take the gun and shoot yourself in the foot. 
And we do it every day. We end up wounding ourselves when we wound those who are closest to us. But sometimes it feels good, right? To let the zinger go. Oh yeah, let me tell you something. Right? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Our mission here at Walk in Truth is to equip you with the Word of God and to give you the tools to express your Christian faith. But how do you initiate conversations effortlessly? Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to offer you the 10th anniversary edition of Tactics. You don't have to be in a situation where you constantly feel like you're on the defensive. You can use questions strategically to let somebody defend their own views and ask them why they believe what they believe. It's really an incredible, life-changing approach to witnessing. We are offering the book Tactics as a thank you when you give a donation of $20 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com, click the donate button, or call 844-48-TRUTH. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. He's beaten the tar out of himself in the car, but his goal was to stay awake. But how silly it is, using the body metaphor, if one part of the body would be going, why are you hitting yourself in the face, somebody might ask. Because it feels good when I stop. Say what? In Ephesians 5, husbands are encouraged to love their wives as Christ loves the church. In Ephesians 5, 28 through 30, Paul goes on to say, Husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh or body, but he nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. If you hurt your spouse, you hurt yourself. You take the gun and shoot yourself in the foot. And we do it every day. We end up wounding ourselves when we wound those who are closest to us. But sometimes it feels good, right? To let the zinger go. Oh yeah, let me tell you something. Right? Feels good for a moment until that you got to deal with for the next couple of weeks. And there's a nice, tidy place for you in the doghouse. <laughs> You're the only one that understands me. <laughs> if you want to know what love looks like, look at a dog. And I'm serious. Dogs are a model of love, are they not? Yes. It's incredible. They are, they are a walking example of love. Well, Paul says the spiritual manifestations in the body of Christ, spiritual gifts, are to grow us up. We are to be built up in love. The environment in which things grow is loving care. Think about a baby. Think about someone who takes care of plants or animals. The parts of the body, says one writer, work together for the common good of the body. The hands do not only feed themselves, but the whole body. If I take something like some chips, I'm feeding my body. The part of the body is feeding it. The heart does not only supply blood to itself, but it serves the whole body. 
Sometimes there's a part of our body that only lives to serve itself. It doesn't contribute anything to the rest of the body, and everything it gets is used to feed and grow itself. We call that cancer. And sadly, that's what happens in relationships sometimes as we get involved in being so self-centered that we bring a cancer to that which we're supposed to take care of and love. If one member suffers, 26 of chapter 12, all the members suffer with it, speaking of the body. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice or take part in another's joy to congratulate that part. They rejoice with it. Now you, brethren, you are Christ's body. Individually, you are members of it. And God has appointed in the church, in the body of Christ, first, apostles, 1228, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles. These are some of the gifts we saw in verses 8 through 11. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Paul says in 29, chapter 12, all are not apostles, are they? The answer to each of these rhetorical questions is no, because we already know that in chapter 12, verse 11, Paul said that the Holy Spirit has designed the body with diversity. The hand is different from the eye. The foot is different from the arm, etc., etc. And he continues the thought with roles in the church and gifts in the church. He says, all are not apostles. The obvious answer is no. All are not prophets, are they? Answer, no. There's diversity in the body. All are not teachers, are they? The answer is no. All are not workers of miracles, are they? Answer, no. All do not have gifts of healings, do they? The answer is no. All do not speak with tongues, do they? This is the gift that they've elevated as the most important. All do not interpret, do they? Answer is no, no, no. The main purpose of this list and this context is to lead up to the concluding rhetorical questions whose form in Greek, says D.A. Carson, indicates that Paul expects, expects a firm negative after each one. All are not apostles. All are not teachers. All do not work miracles because the main thrust of the argument is a diversity in expression of the body. Not all have the same role. We're not cookie-cutter Christians. The apostles laid the foundation of the church. Apostles and prophets, Ephesians 2.20. Paul went into Corinth and founded the church. They didn't need two Pauls. They needed the body to express its diversity in calling and gifts and offices. That's what Paul is saying. So not everybody is going to have the same gift. And there's a reason for that. Because we need the diversity to complete the picture of the body. Amen? That's what Paul is saying. So you may have somebody say to you, well, I believe that every person can have this gift, whatever gift you're talking about, this particular uh, manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And I say to you, if you look at these verses I just read, that's false. Not everybody has these gifts because the body is by nature designed to be diverse and complementary. Though we are not uh, though we are not an eye or a foot, we're not cookie cutter Christians, yet we need each other. I'm reading from my notes. Paul was an apostle chosen, called and commissioned by Christ, Acts chapter 9. He planted the church. You could say he was first in planting of the church and spoke with apostolic authority. 
But uh, he appeals to this authority in the letters to the Corinthians. Even though they're questioning the authority, he continues to appeal to it, not for tearing them down, but for building them up. If you're taking notes, you can look at 2 Corinthians 10.8, 13.10, and 1 Corinthians 8.1. Paul was an apostle. Prophets were part of the foundation of the overall church, Ephesians 2.20, and some in the first century had operated in that role. Apostles refer to the witnesses of the resurrection who were specially called out by God and appear to be a closed circle. This is from Garland, a commentator. Anyone can potentially become a prophet, but some functioned regularly in this way, in the assembly and became known as prophets. Christian prophets appear in the book of Acts, predicting the future, Acts 11, 28 and 21, 10. Also serving as teachers and encouragers, 13, 1 of Acts, 15, 32 and 21, 9. So I want to be careful with this gift of prophecy because I know that many of you have questions and it's been confusing and perhaps abused. The canon of Scripture, the 66 books of the Bible, is closed. There is going to be no more Scripture given. We have everything we need in our Bibles. But sometimes someone can be prophetic. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? I mean this. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can give you a word in a moment that can edify somebody, that can comfort them in a situation. And I have found, and I'll talk more about this when we get to chapter 14, that when the Lord uses me to be prophetic in that sense, it's a word that brings comfort or uh, exhortation or consolation to an individual, usually through quoting a Bible verse that the Lord shows me to give to somebody else. Amen? So in that sense, we can all be prophetic, if you will. And I'll talk more about how that's going to work. None of us are going to be writing uh, inspired scripture. That canon is closed. The Bible is done. It's been written. It's over. You're listening to True Love Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching finishing up 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Our goal is to equip you with answers when talking about your faith. If you're a monthly partner with Walk in Truth, then we're sending you Greg Kokel's book, Tactics, Building a Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. Also, anyone who gives a one-time gift of $20 or becomes a monthly partner of $10 will receive the Tactics book as a thank you. Learn more when you click the Donate button on walkintruth.com. Thanks for your donation. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, as we teach on the topic of 1 Corinthians 13 called the Love Chapter, Remember that it is smack dab in the middle of three chapters on spiritual gifts. And Paul is trying to make the point that if you elevate a spiritual gift to make it about self, to make it about attention on you, to make it about you being more spiritual than somebody else, and it's not driven by love, it's really, you're just a whole lot of noise. And I know spiritual gifts bring up questions. And we had a listener write in about, a question about the gift of tongues and our position on the gift of tongues. And, you know, what we're driven by here is verse-by-verse teaching of the biblical text. And we let the, the biblical text speak for itself. And one thing I tried to emphasize is that, you know, these particular spiritual gifts like tongues and prophecy have caused a lot of division in the body of Christ. And maybe if someone believes they're for today or not for today, they're automatically associated with a certain group in either direction. But let me just say this to you. Ultimately, what drives this program is being true to the biblical text. 
And I am so glad that you're listening as we go through 1 Corinthians and as we talk about subjects like spiritual gifts, are the gifts for today? I want to encourage you to keep listening because as we get into the end of chapter 13, we're going to address the question, did the gifts of the Spirit cease at the closing of the apostolic age or the death of the, the last apostle or the completion of the canon of Scripture? We'll get into that when we finish up 1 Corinthians 13. So stay tuned and tell a friend about what you're hearing here on Walk in Truth. Well, we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to ask a question about uh, some of the content or if you have a question that we can help you with. You can contact us at contact at walkintruth.com. Email us at contact at walkintruth.com. You can also use snail mail if you'd like, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. One more time, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Well, I'd love to invite you to our Wednesday night service in the book of Job. Now, we started this midweek service many years ago to minister to the body of Christ, especially to those who might not be able to go to a Sunday morning service or, of course, for all of us, because we need as much as we can get. And twice a week is frankly not enough. And we're going verse by verse through the book of Job, Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. The address is 1009 in Corona, right off the 91 in Lincoln Avenue. You can download the free Living Truth app to get info, directions, uh, catch up on past teachings, information about events, and much, much more. Download the Living Truth app in your app store today, and we'll catch you next time. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 about true love. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.